Well, good morning. For those of you I don't know, my name's uh, Chris Brockway. I have the real joy of opening up God's Word to us this morning. If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you'll know that we've been making our way through a brand new sermon series uh, called Dangerous Prayers. Those prayers that if we're brave enough to pray them, would actually change the nature of our journey of faith. Two Sundays ago, we thought about your will be done. What does it mean to say your way, Lord, not my way? Last Sunday, we thought about the the prayer of, Lord, awaken me. How do we avoid sleepwalking our way through our Christian lives? And today, we're going to look at another very dangerous prayer. The prayer is, speak to me. And this is the prayer that a little boy prayed in the Old Testament. It's found in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you want to try and find it in your Bibles, you can. Be warned, 1 Samuel is one of those books that disappears every time you go and look for it. And whilst you're trying to find it, let me tell you the context of this story. So Samuel was the little boy who prayed this prayer. Samuel was maybe 11 or 12 years old at the time when he prayed it. So if you imagine somebody in secondary school, year seven or maybe year eight, you'll have the right idea of who's praying. Samuel was somebody who worked for the priest in the temple, and the priest was called Eli. Now, the problem, which we'll hear more about in a moment, is Eli had not been honoring God. His family was out of control. Eli himself was sinning. And despite his incredibly important role in the temple, which was really about helping others and pointing others into relationship with God, he actually wasn't living in that relationship himself. He really hadn't led the people well. Now, we don't exactly know what had been going on or what had been going wrong, but based on the discipline that he receives, we can be sure that this situation was pretty serious. And so one day, 11-year-old Samuel goes to bed like he did every other night, and the Lord spoke to him and said, Samuel, Samuel. Now Samuel woke up and heard his name being spoken and thought, well, who was that? He certainly wasn't expecting to hear the voice of God. In fact, if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it would appear that no one at the time was expecting to hear from God. Verse 1 says, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. What makes this episode doubly surprising is that verse 7 then goes on to say that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Isn't this brilliant and refreshing? God's word is rare, and when he does speak, he speaks to a non-believing child and not to the high priest, Eli. I just wonder what the learning point is there for us in our own church community about the place of children and about the place of those who are struggling to believe who are part of our church community. So having heard someone call out his name in the middle of the night, Samuel, Samuel, he dashes into the priest's room and he says to the priest, did you call me? Did you say my name? Now, Eli at this point is probably being woken up and he says, no, I didn't go back to bed. You've been dreaming again. And so the little boy did. And then a second time, Samuel hears the voice, Samuel, Samuel. Startled, he runs back into Eli's room. Did you call me? Did you call me again? And the priest said, no, I didn't. Would you please go back to bed? Go to sleep. And then a third time, the voice of the Lord does the same thing. Samuel, Samuel. And he dashes into the priest's room. And by this time, the priest is starting to realize what is going on. I kind of get the sense this guy's a bit slow on the uptake, but then maybe I would have been the same, especially if I'd been woken up from a sleep. And Eli replies, Samuel, the Lord may just be speaking to you. If you hear your name again, this is what I want you to do. 
Samuel, I want you to stop and tell God that you want to hear from him. Tell him that you're his servant and importantly that you are listening. Now all that name calling is happening in verses 1 to 9. And then we get to verse 10, which is the pivot point when this little boy Samuel prays this most dangerous prayer that quite literally changes the course of his life. He prays, speak to me, God. I really want to hear your voice. Now, this is a defining moment, which begins a journey from schoolboy to seer to priest to judge to prophet to military leader. Well, hopefully by now you've had time to find that reading. 1 Samuel Chapter 3, I'm going to read this morning from verses 10 through to 19. It says this, The Lord came and stood there, calling as at all the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons uttered blasphemies about God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What is it that he said to you, Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you ever so severely if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Isn't this story brilliant? I think it's so incredible that God spoke to Samuel in that moment. But what God said to him really wasn't an easy message, was it? And it was especially challenging for a child to bear the burden of. It wasn't something pleasant to hear, and yet that seems to be the pattern of the Bible. Whenever God speaks, whenever God gives a task or an assignment, that task is rarely an easy task to fulfill. And you see, that's what makes praying this prayer, Lord, speak to me, so wonderfully dangerous. Think for a moment about some of the different examples in the Bible. There are many, and you will struggle to think of a single occasion when God gave someone a task to do that was easy for them to fulfill. Think for a moment about uh, Noah. Hey, Noah, build an ark about the size of a football field and then go round and round up every male and female living creature because there's going to be a flood. Think of Moses. God said, hey, Moses, you're going to be my spokesperson. Moses replies, but I can't do public speaking. And then God goes on to say, you're going to tell Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the earth, that he needs to let my people go or else. And hey, Christmas is coming, so why not a Christmas example? Think about the angel appearing to Mary, a teenage girl. Mary, you're going to give birth to a son, even though you're an unmarried virgin. And oh, by the way, that son is going to be the son of God. It seems to me that every time God would speak and ask someone to do something for him, it would challenge their faith. It would stretch them. It certainly wasn't going to be easy. If you have the faith, and especially the courage that needs to go with it to pray, 
speak to me, Lord, his voice might just change or even challenge the trajectory of your life. What he asks you to do might seem completely impossible or maybe even impractical, or at the very least, his voice is going to call you to depend on him even more and to live with even greater faith. Samuel says, speak, God, I'm listening. Unfortunately, what God didn't say to little Samuel was, okay, now I've got your attention, Samuel. I just wanted to announce to you that I'm going to pour out my blessings on all people. Wouldn't that have been an easy message to deliver? God didn't say that. What God said was this, is Eli has been sinning against me, and so is his family. He's not doing what's right. He hasn't turned his heart or the people's heart back towards me. I've already tried to warn him back in chapter 2, Samuel, and right here, right now in chapter 3, I'm going to use you to deliver a message that I'm bringing judgment to his household. Samuel, you're going to be my messenger. What a terrifying prospect for this little chap to have to deliver this message to his boss, to the respected temple leader, to the high priest, no no less. What's astonishing about this story is not only does God just trust a small child with the burden of responsibility of carrying this message, but too, to his credit, Eli has the humility to hear it. And he encourages Samuel not only to share the message at its base level, but to make sure he shares it fully. Verse 17, do not withhold anything that God told you, Samuel, is what Eli says to him. Can you see how dangerous this prayer is? It's a very dangerous prayer. Speak to me, Lord. Your servant is listening. Now, here's the greater challenge with praying this prayer, which in some ways is a greater challenge than even praying the prayer in the first place. If we're brave enough to pray it, we need also to have the courage to do what God asks in response. And if I'm really honest, that's sometimes where my prayer life falls short. I do and I can pray some of the most audacious prayers. But when God's reply is even more audacious than the prayer I prayed in the first place and demands a lot from me, I can conveniently block my ears and conclude that God probably wasn't speaking to me after all. Isn't that the brilliant thing of our scripture reading this morning, though? Not only does this unbelieving child pray a brave prayer, but he also has the courage to follow up God's response despite the cost. He could so easily have concluded, couldn't he, as he was awakened from his sleep, I've eaten far too much cheese the night before, and that's caused me to have a weird dream, and he could have discounted what God had said to him. You see, praying isn't just talking to God or at God, but it's actually listening to God and then responding in obedience. Do you know, God is able to do way more in our lives when we listen to him than when we talk to him. You know, a great way to avoid hearing God speak is to talk as much as you possibly can in your prayer time to him and never let God to get in a word edgeways. It's rare you'll hear God speak if that's how we approach him. And of course, we all know, don't we, prayer is not just about talking, but prayer too is about pausing to listen to what God has to say to us. Well, nowadays, in our day, unlike the time described in Eli and Samuel's day, God is always speaking. The question is, is are we ever listening and then are we ever obedient to what God says to us? God is speaking, but how do we hear his voice? Well, what I want to do this morning is give just a few really quick thoughts that will help you to be postured to hear the voice of God. 
because it's rare that we'll actually hear the audible voice of God. And the first thing I would encourage you to do, which goes against the trajectory of everything in our culture, is to fight to be still before God, to pause in his presence, to rest in his presence. Perhaps most famously, Psalm 46 tells us how to experience the presence of God. Well, let me tell you what it doesn't say what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, be frantic and you will know that I am God. Be busy and you will know that I am God. Seek me on the go whilst you're busy doing other things and you will experience me. Overload your life as much as you can. Squeeze me out. Eliminate all the margin in your life and then you will know that I am God. I wonder if you ever do that. All the guilty people, please raise your hands. I'm amongst them. Instead, it says in scripture, be still and know that I am God. Pause, stop, be still, and know that I am God. In the message version, I love this, it says, step out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at God. Isn't that brilliant? Step out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at God. Now, in saying all of that, I'm not suggesting for a moment that you should ignore the unique way that God has wired you as a human being. For ages, when I first became a Christian, I wrestled with masses of guilt because I simply couldn't cope with or it didn't work with my life for me to get up really early and then to sit around for 30 minutes every day trying to have what I sometimes call a traditional quiet time. It's simply not how I'm wired. I tried, I failed, I gave up, and then as a consequence of giving up, I wallowed for years in the guilt of having that failed quiet time. And I eventually worked out why. It's because I'm more of an active listener. I listen when I move. So I'm absolutely not advocating giving up, but I am suggesting with a bit of self-understanding, sometimes with some trial and with some error, you and I do need to find a way, a time, a place to meet with God without other things pressing in on that time. We need to step out of the traffic into a different context. So if sitting and listening at home doesn't work for you very, very early in the morning, then try something else. Try it late at night, or maybe go and walk and listen in a place which inspires you and where you can avoid other distractions. To really and truly hear God's voice, we'll want to slow the pace and we'll want to try and silence the noise of this shouting world. So how will we hear the voice of God, especially if we're not likely to hear an audible voice of God? I don't think I've ever heard the audible voice of God, but I can promise you that I do hear from God in lots of ways at different times. So how might you hear from God? Well, here's four ways. And the first of all is, and probably the most important and the most reliable way that we can hear God speak is through his word. We know that God's word is living, it's active. That means it can speak to you. It might also convict you, correct you, guide you, comfort you. It will encourage you, it will build up your faith. But here's the bottom line. You won't have any of those things happen in your faith journey if you never open up God's word or if you never switch it on if you're a more high-tech person. If you've never ever heard God speak to you, can I suggest that you are probably not spending any or enough time in his word? Because the promise is that his word will speak to us. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. It's all useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 
Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges, judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God speaks firstly and mostly through his word. But secondly, God also speaks through people. God might well speak to you this morning through this sermon. I really pray that he does, or through some of our archive. God might well speak to you through a song that somebody wrote. Often the way I hear from God is through a song or through a time of worship. God might speak to you through a close friend or a relative, maybe even through the lips of a child. I can't tell you how many times, and it really does annoy me, but God often speaks to me through my wife, Meg. And if she wants to make it really annoying, then sometimes she'll quote back at me something that I've actually said in a sermon. God speaks through his word, and God speaks through people. But God oftentimes, too, will speak to us through our circumstances, the opening of a door, the closing of a door. He'll use our circumstances, sometimes even very difficult and challenging seasons and situations in our lives. Will we be open to God speak to us through those situations? God speaks through his word. God speaks through people. God speaks through circumstances. But fourthly, too, God will speak to us by his spirit. Here's the amazing promise for those of us who have become followers of Christ. The promise is that the very spirit of God, when we come to trust Christ, is living within us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that your body is a temple of God and that the spirit dwells within you? 2 Timothy 1.14. God, God, through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, isn't this brilliant? The one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you, Paul says. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And lastly, Romans 8, 15, you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. If you've come to faith in Christ, you have received his spirit. Now, what does all that mean? Well, what that means is that your spirit can communicate with God's spirit and vice versa. And that's why sometimes when we say to God, God, would you guide me, direct me, would you speak to me? You'll sometimes have that unusual sense of God's prompting. And you won't necessarily know how to explain it, which will cause you to say things like, well, I don't know why, but I just feel prompted to do something. I can't completely explain it, but I'm feeling led to do this. We used to have a Moreland student with us, Becky, a few years ago, who used to have this great phrase. She just said, I knew it in my knower. I knew it in my knower. Somehow she just knew that she needed to do something, but couldn't explain it. And here's the bottom line on this this posture The more we listen for God's voice through his word, through his people, through our circumstances, or through his spirit, or preferably all of those things, the better we will be able to discern God's call on our lives and the more we'll be able to hear him. The flip side is also true. The less space we create for God to speak, the less we will hear him and the less we'll be able to discern when and if he does speak. Be still, Lord. Speak, your servant is listening. The first thing, the first posture, number one, is to be still, is to step out of the traffic. 
And then there are two more postures, which are really quick. And the second posture is the posture of willingness. I really love what Samuel says here. He says, your servant is listening. He doesn't just pray, Lord, speak, but he goes on to say, Lord, your servant is listening. There's kind of an eagerness to his prayer attitude. He's saying to God, God, I really want to hear from you. What if instead of going before God with a long list of our demands, of my demands, what if instead we come before God with a blank sheet of paper and a willing heart? Lord, would you speak to me? I don't bring any agenda to this conversation today. Would you just speak because I'm listening? Lord, what is it that you want to show me? I'm listening. And you know, I think sometimes willingness is often the missing ingredients in our prayer lives. We can enter into prayer as if it's an obligation, as if it's something we have to do, and we can enter in quite negatively. But what if we enter enter into prayer with a willingness that says, God, I'm here and I really want to listen? And then when we pray and when we've listened, we then need to not just move on as we were before, but respond to the thing that God says to us. Be willing to hear and allow God to say something that might just stretch you, challenge you, or change you. That's often what happens when we enter into prayer. So be still, be willing, and then finally, be ready. Now, I've probably said all that needs to be said already about this whole thing about being ready and posturing ourselves ready to respond to what God says. God may well spur you to do something you really don't feel qualified to do, just like he did with Samuel. Maybe God will challenge you to step out in leading a home group. You don't feel qualified, but be ready to do it. Maybe in a prayer gathering, God is really prompting you to pray out loud for the first time. You might not feel ready to do it, but if God has called you to do it, then step out and do it. Be ready. God might call you to a change of career, to move to a new place, to to share your faith with a friend or a family member, maybe even to offer or to ask for forgiveness from somebody. We need to be ready. Isn't this brilliant? What a dangerous prayer. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. But perhaps the only thing more dangerous than praying this prayer is not praying this prayer at all. Because if you don't pray this prayer, you're going to miss out on what the God who loves you and created you for his glory wants to say to you and do in you and do through you. Sure, this is a dangerous prayer, but I want to suggest this morning that it's well worth the adventure. Speak, Lord. Why? Because your servant is listening. What a dangerous prayer. My prayer for you this week is that you'll be brave enough to pray it, brave enough to listen to what God says, and then be brave enough to be ready to be obedient to God's call on your life. Let's be still for a moment. Let's uh, pray together. And I simply want to pray this morning that God would give us the courage to pray this prayer and then respond to what he says. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, I thank you so much for this great little story. What a challenge to us that you share your word with a child. What an even greater challenge that you share your word with a child who doesn't yet know you. What a great challenge that in a season when your word was rarely spoken, this child carries the burden of responsibility to share with somebody like Eli. And Lord, I want to thank you this morning for Eli's humility. Thank you, Lord, that he was willing to listen to what Samuel had to say from you through his lips. And Lord, we want to pray for ourselves this morning that, Lord, you would 
keep our eyes and our ears and our hearts really open to what it is you would have to say to us. And Lord, I want to pray that even now, Lord, by your Spirit, you would just give to us the courage and the boldness to firstly pray this prayer, Lord, speak to me, I'm listening. And Lord, maybe for some of us this morning, the challenge is to stop talking and simply to listen. Lord, if there is us today, would you just help us in our prayer lives with you in that way? Give us the ability to listen, not just to talk. But Lord, too, maybe some of us have prayed those big, brave, audacious prayers in the past. And maybe we're willing even to pray them again in the future. But Lord, we're not that willing to actually listen to what you say. And I just have a sense this morning that there's maybe one or two of us who have historically prayed a brave prayer and we've heard very clearly what God has said in response and then we've done nothing with that and God is still waiting for that response from us. May God give to you the courage to be obedient to God's call on your life. But too, Lord, if we're somebody who's brave enough to pray these prayers, Lord, I want to pray you give us the courage to follow through in the future as well. Equip us, Lord. Resource us by your Spirit to be those who honour and glorify you. Speak, Lord. Your servant, your servants are listening. Lord, may this be our prayer as we head into a new week. And Lord, we look forward to hearing the stories that will be told of lives changed and transformed, of faith stretched and challenged as a consequence of our obedience. Lord, thank you for this challenging word this morning. Apply it to our lives and to the circumstances we face, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to sing uh, a song together if you're at home. Let me encourage you to join in loudly and enthusiastically. So grateful to our worship group for recording this song for us. A song that you'll know well, Oceans. And if you're in the Christian Center, we'll hum as loudly as you possibly can as you join in with us as well. <laughs>